All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by The Nation Network. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. I don't understand why you don't trust us. Thank you very much, Lisa. Welcome to Oilers Nation Radio, episode 59. I am your friendly neighborhood bag milk. To my left is Tyler Uremchuk on the board. To my right is The Nation Dan, Rick, and Nick Lausgood completing the panel. As always, I want to start off by thanking our friends at Sherwood Ford, the giant out in beautiful Sherwood Park, Alberta. You can follow them on Twitter at Sherwood Ford and on Instagram at Sherwood Ford underscore the giant just to get you everybody updated on the Frank versus Gus good boy battle. My man has lost a little bit of ground now and it's upsetting. Frank is six and five now in the season. Gus three and eight though. We had another phantom pick from Gus last night. I won't blame him. I know he's busy. He is the ambassador of smiles. He's got things to do. He's got people to see. I get it. Dan, what else they got going on? They are scaring hunger and it is still scare hunger month. So you can bring down your non-perishable food items to help out. Uh, Sherwood Ford feeding the Strathcona County Food Bank. And then, as well, we're going to be doing Movember with our Sherwood Ford team. So uh, keep stay tuned to our social channels for that big announcement, and you'll be able to join our team as well. If you are a fan of mustaches and facial hair in general, you are going to love our Movember team. Everybody does. Just like we all loved last night's comeback versus oh. the Washington Capitals. My lord. <laughs> But before we get to that, I got to bring up a very important topic also relating to last night's game. Our very own Tyler Uremchuk, star of the Kiss Cam. He went up there, he, although he did not win the prize. No, I was pissed. You were featured. Didn't talk to my girlfriend the rest of the night. I was like, you didn't fucking bring it. What were you? What, uh, what was your strategy going in when you saw yourself up there? So 
kiss cam starts and I turned to her and I was like, all right, what's our plan when we get on? And she was like, we're not going to get on. There's no cameras around us. I'm like, I was like, there's cameras everywhere. Um, and I was like, we need a plan. We need to do something. She was like, I don't know. I'm like, all right, I'm going to take my hat off. Nation Gear, City of Champs one that I got at the golf tournament. Beauty. And I was like, and I'll put it on you and then we'll go in for the kiss. That's, you know, get the crowd into it. And so we did exactly that. Like right after we started talking about it, we looked up and there it was. We were on the screen. So we went at it. It was a blur. Um, it was good. I thought I did a good job. I think you did a good job. I, I, I was sitting there. I Didn't was... win because some chick basically gave a dude a lap dance like two people later. So really it was the girlfriend who kind of helped stopped you from winning. I, I think so. Right? I mean, if we just look at it. I'm not calling her out. No, no, of course She's great. Going forward, though, do you feel like you would have a different approach on your next attempt on the kiss cam? Yeah, if I had a little bit more time, I think what I would do, I think the hat on her is a good move. But what I should have done is I should have polished my beer and then went in. One of my $5 beers. That's mm. true. And then I should have gone in. Yeah. I feel like that would have gotten the crowd going. Absolutely. Yeah, but they tend to turn off the cameras for people quick. that pound the beers back. It, for some reason, yeah. it's good content. Just got to drink funny. fast then. But yeah, you got to drink it fast and then get down it the hatch. Focus. Yeah, just pound it and then like burp in her face. Or just do the mouthwash with the beer. Just gargle with the beer and, and then spit go it on for her. the kiss. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to go to no, spit no, it on no, her. No, no. <laughs> that would have been bold. That would be a good uh, way to get yourself. But no, it was out. fun. I'd, I've been going. Uh, I, I mean, me and her have gone to a handful of games, but it was our first time on the kiss cam. So it was exciting. I'm sure our friends at Sherwood Ford would be proud of you, Tyler. Thank you, Sherwood Ford. I know I'm proud of you. Just like I'm proud of our boys for coming back against the Capitals despite being down 3-1 after 40 minutes. I'm going to go ahead. This is a safe space. There's nobody listening to this outside of the five of us in this room. I will go ahead and admit that after 40, I didn't feel so good about it. Oilers were down by two goals. Capitals were looking good in the second period. I wasn't feeling so confident. You, Tyler? Yeah, like when they went down 3-1, like this year though, they've, they've come back a few times and when they do go down... There's always that little part of me that's like, man, Connor can do this in a shift, right? Like Connor and Leon can bang home too quick. And they and, basically and so, did. So, yeah, and they basically did. And that's always in the back of your head. It's like, you know what? As long as it's within two heading into the third period, the Oilers will have a chance to come back. And that's exactly what it was last night. Um, even though they went down 3-1, it's not like they were really playing bad at any point. And that also gave me some hope. Holby stood on his head. He yeah, was good. Absolutely. You, you were a, there last night as well. What do you think? I thought it was a great game. Like it was... Uh, yeah, you go down by two, you bring it back in the third. That third period by McDavid was ridiculous. What he was able to do on that ice, like I watched the uh, right. NHL in 30 this morning. I think I watched it three times in the loop. Mm. Enjoyed every one, every one of them. But what he did, when he go around the defenseman, like I don't know who the fuck Jensen is, but that dude just stood there. Connor put the puck through his feet and then ducked around him. And Holtby went down, and that thing went up so fast. If that if crossbar, like crossbar and out, but man, was that close? Yeah, Holpe didn't even react, and no. for like a solid half of a second after, like that was an unbelievable play. I was hoping that we would have seen more replays of that play because I want to know how close that got to actually be going on. Nick earlier was talking about thought maybe it might have kissed the crossbar. It but definitely hit the crossbar. Man, like that one from zero to sixty around the defender, up over Holpe in a blink. And then Incredible. He the, and he did the one where he went down the right side as well and then cut back in towards, in towards the, uh, into the net. Yeah, it was yeah. like and four went upstairs again. Four different times in the third period where Connor just took it on his back and went for it. You knew a performance like that was coming when he's been held off the score sheet for three games, right? It's just a matter of when he's going to bust it out, and he did exactly that. I was worried I was going to have to throw my hat. Like I went to the game, and I was like, fuck. I'm did you wear a nice hat? hat? I, was wearing my, yeah, I was wearing my new hat, my, my new uh -huh. pint hat. Mm. But yeah, no, I, I was like, 
I'm going to throw it. Like I talked to a couple of boys that were, they were going to the game as well. And I was like, Hey guys, I don't want to see either one of you coming back with a hat tonight. If someone <laughs> scores three, one of those people wasn't Jay. Was it? Cause we know that he is a habitual non hat thrower. No, I'm not gonna, a big hat thrower either. I will chuck any hat I'm wearing. Yeah, I really? don't care. What are I've you even it. talking about? I've done it. Come on now. I don't know if I'm How wearing a nice tricks. Have you seen in your life? Uh, Connor's on opening night against the and Flames. did you throw your hat mm. or not? Nope, I was wearing... Unbelievable. I was... N- nice hats, man. Like, hats yeah, cost like 40 bucks. Them. Yeah, but it doesn't To matter. what? For the half second of joy where I throw my hat on the ice? Yeah. No. I mean, it goes to a good glory afterwards. I saw Boyd Debro score a hat trick. And like, you threw your hat? No. I, I wasn't wearing a hat. I wasn't wearing a hat. Okay. All right. I saw Ryan That's Jones better. score his hat trick. Hat-trick nice. Of- and Actually, the other hat trick I've seen was Droma Ginla in Calgary score a hat trick against us. That was brutal. Yeah, Ryan Brian Malone, Ryan Malone's goal. Did you, Ryan did Jones you, or Ryan Jones? Did no, you, uh, no, unbelievable. I don't know. Like if I was wearing like a crappy hat, I didn't care about. But like when I go to games, I like to wear a nice hat. I love hats. They're like a, a huge passion of mine, mm-hmm. and I still throw a hat every single time. I, I saw my 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 hat was signed by Jonathan Torrance. And I threw that. I saw Leon wow. score a hat trick in the playoffs against Anaheim. And I chucked my hat. It was my favorite hat. You have to do it. That was the new one, wasn't it? Because I yeah. was at that game too. It was It was a brand new hat. I loved it. And I threw it. But karma got back to me because I caught a signed hat from Mark Letestu after he got like third star of the game or whatever it was. Hmm. Like over the, over the glass? Yeah, he chucked. That was the game that I sold out and I had StubHub tickets. And I was sitting right behind the Oilers bench for the playoffs. Yeah, when they, they just approached you, like, excuse me, Mr. Bagged Milk. That's right. Oh, Here yeah. Are two you, free tickets to the hockey game if you'd like to go and tell right. everyone where you got them from. Mm-hmm. And StubHub is still getting money from it because we're mentioning him right now. Absolutely. Um, wasn't there something to it, like Fitbit that you did? Yeah, I had to wear a Fitbit. <laughs> and basically, I had to take pictures of my wrist a couple of times during the game and tweet out pictures showing that, like, my heart rate was elevated, which it was. So it was kind of cool. It was a cool experience. But yeah, I got to take my dad to his first ever playoff game. We sat right behind the Oilers bench. Terrible seats, by the way. Horrible. Yeah, sit, sitting front row sucks ass. But you get but at a playoff game, you're yeah. getting like all the energy is right into you. That part was great, but I had to watch the game more or less on those screens that are underneath the Jumbotron right. because yeah. you couldn't see anything. Todd the, McClellan's beautiful ass was right in front of my face. The, the trainer did screens. throw a, a smelling salt to me. That was cool. Did you were you like, hey, can well, he was just kind of doing it. And I was just kind of staring at what he was doing. I don't remember who had one. And he he was pointing at me and he cracked one and threw it up over the glass to me. And wow, those are potent. Those are all like, Ooh. I want to do it. I've never done one. Before. It's awesome, man. It, you feel it in the back of your brain, like instantly. It's that's, incredible. It really great. is. Speaking of incredible, uh, we've been talking about Connor going Connor. One thing that I thought was interesting, I was running the Oilers Nation HQ Twitter account last night, as I do. And there were a lot of people tweeting at the account talking about What's wrong with Connor? What's going on with Connor? Should we be panicking about Connor? Because he'd gone three games without a point. It was kind of quiet over a couple of those games. It happens over the span of an 82-game season. But then in the third period, he went supernova, and all of those people miraculously disappeared. I, but I mean, So my you, question is, Dan, we'll start with you. Sorry. At any point, were you worried about Connor McDavid? You get it. You understand people feeling that way just because just because Connor, we're so used to Connor looking superhuman. And there was a couple of deeks at the start of the year. There was a couple of plays even in the uh, the Chicago game, I think it was, where you're just kind of like, man, like Connor just doesn't look like Connor. And oh, so I understand. No, I understand Lord, the no. fear, no. but I'm not. But I'm not calling the guy out for anything for damn certain. And and that was nonsense to hear. The Chicago game, that the one where he got five points. <laughs> no, we lost. No, that they game. lost that oh, game. Right, right, right. Uh, 
What? Yeah, what no, the, guy, the guy was the guy was me. leading the league in points. Yeah, like I, it, he just wasn't doing it. Like it was a with quiet, those big, lead. massive uh, things like he did last night. But he was doing it, man. Like it's. He's putting up assists everywhere. You're I'm, almost just a little bit numb. Like I, 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 I wouldn't blame an Oilers fan for being numb to the greatness, though. Yeah, right? we're spoiled, aren't well, we? We are. That's where I put out that tweet from buddy from ESPN Washington, who I'm guessing probably has never seen Connor play. But he put out the tweet saying that Connor, how does Connor, how is Connor the, like the best, or, yeah, yeah, the I best player by like, and it's not even close. And it's and we kind of forget the fact that we are watching the best player of all time, not. Not maybe, but ah, uh, right now the best, the most electrifying the player yes. of all time for they sure. Keep getting yeah, the right now athleticism keeps getting better, so it's really tough to yep. argue against that. But I think you could say like Bob McKenzie today on uh, on the Nielsen show was the, I should have pulled up that audio too, but um, he was just saying like he Mario never did stuff like this, Wayne never did stuff like this, like every one of those legends is great in their own regards. But Connor is just different. Well, and he's just dancing, guys. Yeah, like dancing. Well, that's not speed, man. And he can yep. do everything at a hundred at a hundred miles an hour. Well, that's the thing too. Is like, there's a lot of guys in the NHL that are fast. Maybe not as fast as him, but their hands don't match what their feet are doing. Your hands and should the not be able to go that fast. Where Connor is the exact opposite. Where everything is in perfect sync. Yeah, so smooth. It's unbelievable. Another guy, obviously, Leon Dreisaitl had three points last night, two goals, including. And I just want to laugh at myself here for a second. At the beginning of the third period, I said that I thought the boys need to simplify a little bit, stop making so many passes, and just shoot towards the net, go for something greasy. And then almost immediately after, Connor and Leon execute one of their perfect two-on-ones. They did it again in OT. And it's just kind of funny that I just have to shut my mouth sometimes. But Leon is an absolute warlord. Again, this season, he's on pace for another 50 goal year. Everybody, I don't know, every, we're lucky to have not only Connor to watch on a nightly basis, but I think we're lucky to have Leon to watch on a nightly basis as 100%. well. And the reason I'm bringing Leon up right now is Craig Button was doing an interview earlier in the week where he was talking about Austin Matthews and everybody talking about whether or not Austin Matthews is the league's best when he kind of pumped the brakes on that conversation. Tyler, hit the button. I'm with you. I'm with you. Like totally with is, you. Like, there's, I don't, other than him getting tired later in the game and shifts and stuff, I think he extends his shifts where he looks really tired. He's good enough he can. I think he's... I'll tell you this right now, and I'm I not think gonna, he's as good I as mean, anybody. I, I think the talk about Austin Matthews being one of the best players in the league needs to stop. Because he's not as good as Dreisaitl. He's not, he's not even close to dry sidle right now. And I know he's a scorer, but in terms of a complete player, not even, not even in that cap. He should never be in the conversation until he shows that he's going to impact the game in the same way. Man, it's hard to listen to guys like Jamie McLennan just gush over Austin Matthews. Well, they both, so they both were. Who's the other guy? Uh, O'Dog. Brian, Brian oh, yeah, Hayes yeah. and O'Dog. That's overdrive on TSN. Oh, that wasn't McLennan. No, that, no, no. that was McLennan to start. Okay. Um, yeah. When he talks about how he extends his shifts a little bit. McLennan's a pretty balanced He's guy. Pretty even, I He's think. an Alberta yeah, boy. Fair enough. Um, O'Dog, though, is pretty leaps heavy. Um, but, man, off the top rope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah button just dunked on him. It was all. great. Like, we, we got to stop this. Like, you cannot bring up his name anymore in this conversation. He's it's not even not, as good as Dreisaitl. It's not fair to Matthews. It, at the end of the day, it's just not. It's, when you're when you're bringing him into a comparison with the guy that is the best player in the NHL right now, it's not fair to the guy. Crosby and McDavid, can you can have that conversation. 
But bringing Matthews into it, like Button said, he's not even the best guy on the like he doesn't even he's not even better than the best guy on the Oilers, the second best guy on the Oilers in Drysaddle. Yeah, I think sometimes Oilers fans, they're not Oilers fans. I shouldn't generalize. There is a section of Edmonton hockey fans who shit on Matthews way harder than he deserves oh, yeah. to be shit he's on. A hell of a hockey player. He's a hell of a hockey player. I think he's a top five goal scorer in the NHL. Absolutely. I, I would push to make an argument he's a top five forward in the NHL sure. right now. Like I, I honestly think he's that good, man. And people are like, he's never hit 70 points. He's never done this, never done that. Okay, but watch him. Like he's so good. And I agree he's maybe not on the level of the dry sidle and maybe top five is pushing it, especially how they're both playing this year. But Matthews is top ten and sometimes I think Oilers fans just hear Toronto, oh fuck them! But that's the Toronto media's fault because they're bringing him into these conversations that he's not, ne- he d- shouldn't be in. Give yeah, it like Oilers fans get so offended by it, and that's why they do it, right? It's exactly why they do it. They're playing to the, they're playing to what they know is yeah, going to do you, it. But. You get the clicks, and you get people talking about your product and your show and the clip you have, and and that's what you do. But like, like my advice to Oilers fans is don't take it personally. No, for sure. But it's but it's the it's the disingenuous kind of conversation where we mm-hmm. just pretend that Leon Dreisaitl isn't the mo- the second most elite goal scorer right now. You know, we watched Ovechkin and Dreisaitl going at it last yeah. night, which was amazing to watch. That deflection on the OV goal, I know. Yeah, unreal. Quick side, unreal. That shot, that shot by Ovechkin that Koskinen made the save on early in the mm-hmm. game. Like, it, it, it's unbelievable to watch those two guys play. But Nick, your thoughts on Austin Matthews? You've been waiting patiently. <laughs> we just tried to drag that convo out so that Nick could rage a little bit more. Well, first off, Craig Button is my spirit animal. <laughs> I love that, you know, a good Western Canadian kid. No, he's not a kid, but a good, good Western Canadian guy is just tearing the Toronto media down from the inside. Um, Austin Matthews is not a point-of-game player yet. i got to bring that up again. Mm-hmm. He's nowhere close to top five. Like, he, yeah, he's, <laughs> he, he's not. Like, he's electrifying in a way, I guess. He's a good player. But... Like Dan said, Crosby's always up there. Kucherov is the reigning Art Ross winner. Uh, McKinnon. McKinnon. You know, even Malkin when he's playing, he, he, he can make an argument. But if you're talking, like what Craig Button says in that clip, he's talking about all-around play. And, you know, a guy like Anze Kopitar, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, Rick. Uh, a guy like Sasha Barkov, though, Alexander Barkov, is a player you have to think about who's a 100-point player. Man, even, you can even make an argument that, like, Brad Marchand is almost, you well, know, exceeding an all-around play better than Austin Matthews is. I would say Pasternak's better than Matthews. Exactly, is. but I but I will agree with what you're saying, Dan. Is that it's not fair to the player in the sense that I think when Craig Button is sitting there and he's going, "This talk has to stop," he's talking to the guys who are in that room with him, and especially O Dog. And sorry, I know you said J- Jamie McClendon, but it's actually Noodles. On Overdrive, oh, which you have a national radio show and you have two guys called O-Dog and Noodles. Like, that's the most college radio thing I've ever heard in my fucking life. But anyway. Over, Overdrive is actually a really good show. Yeah, I, I bet it is. I bet it is for, you know, I think you might be a closet Maple Leafs fan over there, Yerm Check. Was no, Nick- I just think they get shit on so hard by Oilers fans and it's like, man, the Leafs are a really fun hockey team to yeah, watch. They're like 5-4-2 like and two or whatever, so. To me, this whole argument is kind of like when they used to compare Jack Eichel to Connor. It was completely unfair to Jack Eichel. Yep. He's a hell of a hockey player. First overall pick in any other draft, right? Absolutely. 100%. But to compare the two is just, it's unfair. It is. It's unfair and it, it doesn't make no, sense. No, it's, it's a media thing. It's a media-driven thing and everyone said it very well. It's just about pissing off the other fan base and getting people to read it and talk about it for now, however long we've been talking about it. Amen. But, 
Yeah. You also have to remember, like, I, there's the media that does that, but where are the majority of their viewers? People are like, oh, all the, every highlight show it's, leads off with Toronto. It's, and It's called Leafs Overdrive, is it not? No, it's just called TSN Overdrive. Oh, yeah. um, well, fair enough. But it is a Toronto. But like, the biggest Leafs segment lunch. of fans, no doubt. Yes. Leafs fans. Right, like, Leafs segment. fans are the biggest fan base in the country. Is that so, true, though? Is yeah, that man. Absolutely, it How is. many people live in Toronto compared to the rest of Canada? Well, or even I, just, I, like... Well, Montreal, I think, not just the city of Montreal, but, like, if you go to the East Coast, Dan, you're from the East Coast. Are there not a lot of Montreal fans out there? There's a yeah, lot of Leafs fans is, too, there's though. There's Montreal, there's Boston, and there's Leaf fans. That's I don't. I think it might be a little like I don't. We don't know the numbers. We just sort of take it take it for the, uh, what it said that Maple Leafs fans are the biggest fan base. Like I bet you it's not even close. There's a I reason. I bet you it's closer than people think, especially yeah. nowadays where there's like tons of fans in in Canada who are fans of American teams. Like I don't know if the the Toronto fan base. Is the biggest one. I did the. I did the this the, is what TSN. Sorry, but this is what okay. the TSN and CBC and you know, and some of these, uh, even some Sportsnet radio out there will have us convinced is that like yes, this is the most important fan base. This is the fan base again. What? This is not against them. This is against the way the media spins it. I don't know if it's actually the case. Man, the media is not sitting there being like, "We're all Leafs fans. We need to talk about the Leafs twenty four seven. I think that's exactly what it is. No, no, the no, man. Man, are you kidding? You do know this is their job, right? Yeah, but, like they have market research absolutely. and they know what drives but, ratings. But, but it's and it's foolish talk. But it's foolish to think that 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 uh, journalists and reporters who are based in Toronto don't grow up or aren't actually Leafs fans. Like it, it's just the case when all you when, think Elliot Friedman's a Leafs fan. Um, I don't know about Elliot Friedman, but I think a lot of those guys, like we just talked about, TSN Overdrive are all Leafs fans. O Dog sure. is for but sure. Like, like to Tyler's point, though, Nick, it's 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 CBC Television or Sportsnet, whoever you want to say, Rogers, whoever you want to say curates the schedule they're not going to put the leafs on saturday night for 24 weeks in a row or almost in a row out of the 27 weeks there are unless they knew that that's the fans that are going to show up the most i'm not saying i'm not saying that the leafs aren't the second biggest or they might even be the biggest fan base i'm just saying that we say this blindly without even knowing it well, that's all I'm trying to make the point I, here. I know, I'm not, I'm not even saying evidence, that there's so. more Oilers fan, but what's there's no evidence. The evidence is just that they're doing it. Yes, but and they're doing it for a reason. Evidence. They're not just doing it because they're like, it's not like some executive in at Sportsnet is like, fuck, I just love watching Austin Matthews plays prime time. And you know what, radio hosts, everyone talk about him more. They do it because that's what their market wants. You're absolutely correct. I think in the thought that the Canadians fans may have outweighed Leaf fans at one time, but the Canadians fan base has died. They're dying. They're slow. They're getting older. And Leaf fans, they are and Leaf quite, fans, almost quite literally dying. Yes. yes. And Leaf fans um, have been have been ingrained. Whether it's the is, CBC is creating accurate? it or whatever. It is, is this is this a real thing? No. Yeah. Yeah. Like the demographic of Canadians fans is shrinking. Well, the the glory that, days. Yes. That sounds like an insane claim. Yeah. That sounds like an insane claim. To I'm me. also gonna call you out on where those numbers are coming from. That's that fine. sounds I'm, like a pulling out of data. I'm not pulling out. I'm not pulling any numbers. I didn't say I said any numbers. It's All kind I was saying. Because if you look at everyone's grandfathers and stuff, they're always like <laughs> Leafs or Montreal fans. And, and Justin Nielsen. Technically, they're all starting to fall off like that. But Montreal was like one of the feature games on CBC Hockey Night in Canada when it started, and that has since changed. Well, that's because there was like five channels back then. Uh, I, I want to give a shout out again to our friends at Sherwood Ford the Giant. I know they love when we argue. If there's one thing that the boys at Sherwood Ford right now are happy about, it's all of you guys yelling about the Leafs and the Canadians. Never heard of them. As far as Rick and I know, those teams don't even exist. Those teams don't even exist. But you know what does? Sherwood Ford's Twitter account, which is at Sherwood Ford, and Instagram account, which is Sherwood Ford underscore the giant. Go check them out. 
go help them raise food for scaring October. I said that way weird. Yep. They are raising the food. Raising food. They are growing wheat themselves. Like, like they are the planting dead. things. They have swathers. They are out in the fields. They're doing it all. But yes, could you please bring food to them so that they can raise the stock of food at the Strathcona Food Bank? There we go. Going back to the Oilers, I want to talk about Connor and Leon some more because I love them. Hell yeah. Right now, Connor McDavid is averaging 23.09. Leon Dreisaitl is averaging 23.59. Are you gentlemen worried about how much they are playing relative to their teammates? Obviously, they're the best players on the team. They're going to carry the mail most nights. But are they playing too much? Are they playing too much? Rick? I don't know. I don't. Uh, these guys are the, the, the best athletes in the world. Um, they know how to take care of themselves. They're eating properly. They're resting properly. They're having downtime. You know, when it like practice day, they're getting maintenance days. They're well taken care of. Sure. Maybe it'll, it'll, uh, eat up on you a little bit near, uh, near the end of the year. But I do think that throughout the season, it will kind of drop a bit. Uh, this still to me just says, you know, we're the secondary scoring is not there therefore they can't be put on the ice therefore you got to keep 97 and 29 out there a lot longer we're first in the league we're we're winning games we've we've won a lot of games that you know maybe we didn't expect to be in this position now um not necessarily all connor and leon the goaltending definitely goaltending's been huge. for sure but i mean i think it's a small sample size i i mean i know that people are reporting the news and, and a lot of the toronto you know, Twitter types are, are putting that those minutes out there. Is but Mr. I th- Babcock the one who's upset about yeah. how many minutes they're playing? I'm <laughs> sure Babcock has an opinion about it. But it's uh, I think it's just a small sample size. It'll come back down to earth. Yeah, you know, and, and the other thing too. Right now, Connor McDavid just had the best third period of his, you know, of the year for sure. And so I don't think he's showing any signs of getting tired. It's far too early for it to happen though. It's like these guys are... They could be playing every night and it'd still be fine right now. Yeah. It's when, you know, it's it's January, February, March when the, yeah, you kind of like lose a little bit of the motivation. You're game 50, game 55, game 60, or no, you're not quite in the playoff push quite yet. And I guess I hope that the bottom six has then come around. We're all hoping that. Or oh, we've called up Yamamoto, like, right? Yeah. I'm still on board with this. Well, there might be an opportunity here to call up Yamamoto because we got some Oilers news. We oh do boy. have some breaking news that oh Tyler boy. just handed me. Josh Archibald was placed on the IR today for two to four weeks with a foot fracture. So there's going to be another spot open in that bottom six. They're going to have to make some kind of movement there. That so, guy's been hurling the body around for the last two games. Yeah, his head against what's-his-face the other day Greenway. was just, just ridiculous because that was a big tree coming down. He gave up four inches in height to Greenway. Uh, as far as the ice time thing goes, so I I'm have an article that's going to go up probably tomorrow morning on Oilers Nation. And Humble brag. Well, I'm just saying it's covering some just of these things here. Uh, bottom six scoring and ice time. So to put into context, uh, obviously, Drysaddle is leading the league in forward ice time. Uh, McDavid is second. Uh, the next closest forward is Mika Zibanejad. So as far as including defensemen, as far as time on ice goes, that puts uh, Drysaddle at 23rd in the league. Uh, Connor, I think, is 32nd. And then Zabinijan is like four, or sorry, 34th, and Zabinijan is 42nd. So they're like way outplaying any other forward, even close to them in the league. So I, I, I don't know if it's hard to say because like Rick kind of made the point, like, as far as 
the kind of athletes they are, they're kind of unprecedented. I mean, especially McDavid, right? He's an unprecedented athlete. So maybe I think Gregor put out a, a tweet earlier saying something about like what his ice time was last year, and it never really fluctuated much from where it is now. Connor's up about twenty seconds yeah. from last year. Leon's up about a minute. Yeah. So I mean, maybe they can sustain it. Like who knows? Um, I just feel like a minute per game for these guys when you're getting a day or two off in between, and maybe I'm like simplifying it too much and just being someone who obviously doesn't know what it's like to be in the NHL. But I just feel like how much difference does a minute really make over the course of a season per game, right? If it was like an extra, if he, if Drysaddle was a guy who's playing like 17 minutes a game or 18 minutes a game and now all of a sudden he's playing 24, I'd be like, fuck, six minutes a game is a lot. But a minute, that's an extra two shifts. Like, yeah. And I think the big problem, like Dan said, is they're relying so heavily on those two because the bottom six aren't doing jack shit. Oh, well, and that's We've that, got Kara right now, Granlin, Sheehan, Archibald, who's now out for a couple of weeks, and Patrick Russell, all without points, combined 45 shots on goal for those guys. Yeah. So I think if the bottom six was able to contribute a little bit more, Connor and Leon probably would be down a minute or so each. So yeah. to put that into context a little bit too, so there's only two teams that have as many as few players with at least one goal scored on their roster right now. The Bruins and us both only have 10 and the Red Wings have nine. There's like 18 teams that have 13 or more players with at least one goal scored. Right now we're on pace to have just as many double digit goal scores as we did last season. So if it's something we're looking for improved depth coming to this season, it's not really showing. I mean, granted again, it's early. You always have to give that caveat, but of course. it, I mean, it is some, it is something I think to be concerned about a little bit. I think so. I think that there are a lot of guys like we talk about scratch tickets on this podcast a lot. There's a lot of scratch tickets that aren't paying off right now. Holy shit, Marcus Granlin's bad. Marcus Granlin is the crust on dry toast. I've downgraded him from dry toast to the crust on dry toast because nobody likes the crust on that. He is... I I don't want to take shots at Marcus Granlin because he's doing whatever it is that he does. And I'm sure he's a very nice guy, but like, fuck me, man. He's just out there cashing checks. And like a lot, and that's kind of the problem I'm having with this bottom six is they're not even generating right. Like Granlin's out there, it feels like ninety percent of the time Granlin's just coasting, and Jujar's just coasting. Archibald moves well, but it's kind of empty calories. Chason's in the top six, but he doesn't really look like he's doing a whole heck of a, a lot. Like there's right not now. even anyone who you can look at and be like, they just need a bounce. They need a bounce because like Gagne. even Patrick Russell, Negard's kind of okay. Yeah, I like Negard, but, but he's been out forever. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought Ganya was okay. Ganya had that chance at the start of the game, and I was yeah. like, oh boy, if that went in, that's a different game. But, yeah. like, to me, it's it's not even a lot of, like, grade A chances where you're sitting there, I mean, like, they're this close to breaking out. Well, it's not, it's the guys that aren't stirring the drink. That's yeah. the thing, right? Like, Yurcho has had, has had some shifts where he's he's starting something, but he's also around, he's surrounded by the bottom six that isn't, they're, they're he's just invisible. How many shots? The dude doesn't have right no shots. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. He, he has get no shots. He has it's to start not, it's, I said this last week. Let's do this. Call them up. So Rick last week on last week's podcast. I did say after Halloween for the record. Talking about when it's time to pull up Kaylor Yamamoto. And our own Dusty Nielsen responded to Rick on yesterday's episode of Inside the Nation. We pulled that for you, buddy. Tyler, push the button. One thing I definitely would not do is bring up Kyler Yamamoto. And all you boys of the nation, you track down Rick. Or you track down my boy Rick from the pint and tell him to stop calling for Yamamoto be called up. I don't want to slap him on Twitter, but I want to slap him on Twitter. I love it. Let's go. No, why, why not? I, I honestly... Because you're going to surround him with what in the bottom six? Well, no, okay. I, I, that po- I did say at that point, you do have to start to separate the three centers. So, uh, And then you might need to bring up two of the wingers, actually. Yikes. And I, Benson's pulled, almost played 100 games. 
in the AHL, right? Yeah, for three seasons, almost 100 games. If that's not if if you don't if that's not time to be pulled up, when is 200 games? If I'm pulling up Kaylor Yamamoto, I'm putting him with James Neal and Nuge. And that's fine. Yeah, and I did say that. Put him on the second line. Put him in the second line, and you give him two real top six forwards, which anyone else we've ever rushed like this has never actually had two op, uh, top six wingers to play with. I will Harvey s- did for a bit. I will say, as much as Rick took shit from Dusty Nielsen, mm-hmm. I was talking to Jason Greger after the pizza pig out, and he was saying... We have a champion, by the way, at the we, table. Yeah, that you're you're talking to him. Uh, no, Greger was saying that that he agrees with Rick. That, that I mean, he didn't say that. And part, even if you just give him two weeks, and even if it's just like, all right, you're coming the, up for two weeks. And that's weeks. the thing, is that if Yamamoto comes up and he gets a couple goals and maybe he kickstarts one of the other guys going there, you know, whether it's Chase on or whatever, he gets somebody else that he kind of clicks with, then that person takes off from him and then they just quietly send Yamamoto back and he goes and keeps doing what he's doing with the Condors. To me, like it, the bottom six is a concern. Kyler Yamamoto playing him on the second line isn't going to fix the bottom six. No, but it, what it does do is it pushes guys back it's down. Do you really think Chason's going to stir the drink down there? I agree. He's not. I just think, I don't, I don't think he's going to stir the drink down there, but I think that if we are pulling up Kyler Yamamoto, he would be, <clears throat> excuse me, he'd be a better fit on the second line with Nuge and Neal than Chase on probably. And what yeah. if you bring him up and do put him there, but then you also bring up like a Gambardella, even a Josh Curry, someone like that to play in the bottom six. Brad Malone. So looking at the Condors leading Malone. scorers right now, Dan's boyfriend, Brad Malone, is actually leading the team. Yeah, six, shut the fuck up then. Six you, they, need him, in, they need him down there then. With six points in five what? games. No, hold on. Hold yeah, on. No, 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 You want to call up the leading scorer in Yamamoto two that weeks ago. That dude does not have an NHL career ahead of him though. That yeah, and that's fine to me Say that's that fine because face. that's the point is that <laughs> if he comes up and he and he's total ass he can he can sit him you can sit him in popcorn alley and it's not going to hurt him he it's might not appreciate hurt the paychecks it's going to hurt Kyler Probably, yeah definitely. it's not going to hurt yamamoto to sit in popcorn alley if he's, he's not, not working gonna, out you're bringing him up for a couple of games you're playing if it doesn't work very well you put him back down you give some all then, i just don't want to disrupt what yamamoto has going on down there i think it's the, really good for him and, and sitting him fair, in popcorn th- alley does never, exactly what ken holland i said never he put him up there but i'm saying even if just calling him up and he struggles and then sending him right back down that's what ken holland said at the start of the season he doesn't want to do yeah but you're just giving him how else are you going to know he has an opportunity to play or not when is he going to be ready to go I'm not. Why, I'm, why is it all of a sudden at the end of this year he's going to be uh, ready to go? I guess my thing. What changes? And the thing that I think was coming from last week's conversation, which <laughs> Beg Milk and I just kind of checked out of, but uh, was that it's like, why does it have to be right this second for him? Why does it have to be four and six games into the season for it him? Has z- it has very little to do with him. It has to do with the fact that our bottom six ain't doing shit. All these, all these scratch tickets we brought in aren't doing shit. But his. But so do you want to keep making Connor and Leon? And just like, all right, guys, it's up to you guys or nothing. I understand what you're saying because you're saying that you and want you can't huge make down trades to bring anybody in because we have no, because we have no, uh, we got no, no assets to trade. But you want, so you want Connor, Leon, Nuge separated. If we can, if we can do it, that'd be great. So I get where you're coming from on that, and I just don't think it that can happen right now. Why? Because they're the guys that are making games win. They're making. Oh, that was a fantastic <laughs> sentence. Making games. Please win. cut that Make one just for my win. personal no, tape. Keep there, that yeah. in there. Yeah, Tyler. Yeah. No, leave um, that there. But uh, no, no. Bring it. Give it to me for yeah. a personal <laughs> usage. It doesn't um, supposed to rain today. Exactly. <laughs> that was a shout out to Chris. But uh, RIP. But buddy. those are the like Connor and Leon being together is why we're winning games. That's why we won that game because we're week. forced to play them together. Yes. But wouldn't it be really rad that. if we were able to put? Uh, you can't able, call up Yamamoto and be like, "Oh, I hope it works." 
Why? That's what you do every every time you no. put a player in the lineup. You go, oh, I hope it works. But that's the point is we're that you can call Leon up and Connor together. We're going, man, I really hope this works to fix up. You can call up everything. a Josh Curry and you're not going to derail the guy's career. And you're he not going to derail Yamamoto's career by bringing him up. Did they not just bring up uh, the, the Sharks just brought up Gregor's nephew for the exact same thing? Well, and that's why I think Gregor's on your side because he's a little softer. Dude. <laughs> but I'm just I'm just saying everyone just good organizations don't do this. It's They're watching an organization do that right now. Yeah, but we're not them. We don't have that luxury. We don't have what six luxury? guys we do. to come. We have up. a Yamamoto to we bring up. We didn't find Yamamoto in the in the uh, undrafted because it doesn't he had an matter how you got him. It doesn't matter that he's in your system. He's the guy that Who we cares need to how be you in got him. Six. He's there and be successful. Call Josh Curry up. Call why, up what's the he beard. Gonna score? Call up the beard. Why? Why do you think he's going to score all of a sudden? Because he played well last year. He was okay. So he kind of fell off a bit yeah. after his initial push, but I don't know. I'm, I understand the argument for bringing up Yamamoto. I just, I don't think it's the right time. I want to see him just keep dominating the A and just mm. keep developing, working on his thing. And I don't know. It's just the logistical change for me. That's yeah. my issue. Um, Not the, having to split up the lineup anymore by bringing in a Josh. Curry I like. I, I know you brought it up at the start, Rick. Uh, I, I, I kind of like the idea of Benson. Uh, I looked it up. He's played seventy nine AHL games. Yeah, he's. Uh, you, you, no, I said you. It was around 100. So it's 79. He's played. Yeah. He has 74 points in 79 games in the AHL over three better part of three seasons, right? Yeah. So uh, I don't know. The I just Yamamoto see, yeah, see Yamamoto be more of a shooter, more of a scorer yeah. than, than than Benson. That's why I was kind of going there. But honestly, at this point, I don't care who they bring. Just bring somebody up and get these damn scratch tickets out of the yeah. fucking way. The, la- the last thing I'll say is that as far as some of these blower guys go, as far as like expected goal rate, like their expected goal percentage goes. If you want to take that with a grain of salt, Chason is actually like basically second on the team right now, right behind McDavid. So Chason is why? Where does this come from? Uh, they shouldn't be second on the team for any anything. Well, it's how they basically rate what your possession chances are and your goal chances you've had, and if you're ex- the percentage you're expected to score. So Chason is second based are on. Are we getting this from a uh, one of those globes? <laughs> you shake a magic ball. Anyway, so Chason <laughs> is second behind McDavid, and then. Uh, Patrick Russell is another guy who's on the better part of the fifty percent. So there He's are trying to make Patrick Russell. Happen. I'm just saying yeah, there's some is. players. There are some players in the bottom six, even though they haven't converted yet, that there's a chance that they're on the cusp of doing it. So is this one of the new stats that people actually use a lot of? Like, is it? Yeah. So so goals for ex- percentage ex- Yeah, expected goal percentage is sort of like the new course in the sense that like and it's but if it's saying that russell and chieson <laughs> are lead are you know are upper end oilers in this switch like i think it's ridiculous i'm it's not rick you're misunderstanding it's not saying that they're that, that they're they're upper end oilers it's saying based on opportunities they've been having on the ice over the course of whatever it is the 10 11 games we've played that they're expected to convert so once so once chieson for example Ethan Bear was like third on the team with expected with an expected uh, goal percentage. Once he scored the, his second goal, he dropped because now the way the numbers work, the, the averages work. Now he's going to basically have to work back up. Man, to I get remember watching shit my head the ice. That was way cooler. Than if this. you want it's to not, get, it's, it's taking it. It's taking <laughs> both sides. If you want to get a breakdown on all these nerd stats, Gregor actually has something up right now at OilersNation.com that explains all the fancy stats that people are talking about, how they work, how they're used in proper context. What I want to talk about is skipthedishes.ca because I'm hungry. We've been sitting here. We've been recording for 37 minutes. Nobody's feeding me. But what I did do, Tyler, you're going to appreciate. Yegberger? 
I do appreciate Yegburger. Oh, I thought delicious. you were going to say you ordered Yegburger on Skip the Dishes no. combined a couple of sponsors. But what I did do is I ordered from our friend Mary Brown's. Ooh. I got myself a Big Mary. I got on Big Mary Mondays? Three ninety nine. It wasn't a Monday, Monday, actually. Well, if you do it on Mondays, three ninety nine. Shout okay. out to Mary Brown's. I'm going to shout out to Mary Brown's on Monday for a Big Mary Monday, but I just ordered one because I was hungry and it was delightful. You know what else is delightful? They're bite-sized morsels of 100% breast meat chicken coated in Mary seasonings and served hot crispy and oh, so yummy. Choose Thai for a kick of sweet heat topped with sesame seeds and massage your taste buds because it is what you deserve. They are on skipthedishes.ca. They have stores all over the city. Go check out our friends at Mary Brown's Chicken and Taters. Are we done arguing about goals for? Yes. Thank you. I want to talk about something positive. I want to talk about something awesome. I want to talk about Miko Koskinen. We all expected this, right? Huh? 100%. This is First, what he was like at the start of last season. It is true. Don't rain on my parade. Thank you. Miko Koskinen last night's win got him to be the first goalie in franchise history to start at 5-0. Considering the teams the others have had, what a weird stat that is, no? See you, Grant Fuhr. Sorry. Yeah. That's a weird one. It is. It is. It's just like one of those, like, really? None of the great goalies, the Ranfords, the Fuhrs, the Andy Moogs, even Roly. Tommy Sallow. Cujo. Tommy Sallow, Cujo. Like, none of them? Our boy Miko. Right now, he's 5-0 and with the 235 goals against average and a 927 save percentage. Whew. We've talked about goaltending a lot on this podcast and about whether or not we should expect Miko, Koskinen, Mike Smith to form a duo that can get the Oilers back to the playoffs. Right now, those dudes are playing fantastically. And even though last night Miko Koskinen had 25 saves and an 893, I'd argue without him, there's no win last night. Nope, you're right. There's no win. And he's making big saves. He's making the saves you need your starter to make. And he's looking damn fine while he's doing it. And all the people that are kind of hating on him right now for something like last night we were, I was doing my thing on Twitter and there was, he got scored on by Ovechkin right in the slot over his glove hand after like having 25 seconds by himself. Exactly. <laughs> like if you look at that clip of Ovi in the slot, it looks like his controller disconnected because he was just standing there and not moving, waiting for something to happen, which it did. So last night on the nation account, there was people being like, Oh, over the glove hand again. Can we not add some context to this shit that Alex Ovechkin arguably the best goal scorer of his generation all time bold standing in the slot with all kinds of time is going to sink that most times. And, yeah. And he stopped him earlier on the same, in the same area, not Glo- as much time, Glove save, but glove save. He didn't squeeze the puck, but he made a glove save on Alex Ovechkin. And Ovechkin was picking his corner. Yes. Ovi had a hell of a game yesterday. That was really fun to watch. Like a future hall of famer play that well. It's amazing how often that happens. Bag milk with the, the controller disconnect kind of thing with Ovi where he, it's like he has a cloak invisibility. Yeah. We on all know him. where he's going. It's insane. And, and still they can't stop. Like it. Rick, I was rewatching the whatever Oilers in 30 this morning. And on that goal, you just see the entire, like both teams all go to that one corner pretty much. And Ovechkin is just like Dan said, by himself, no player within five feet of him. And it's just, it's, it's insane. Mind boggling. The guy's been able to do this for what? 13 seasons. We're just, He's able to just find a way to just be by himself in the same spot every time. And he has good players around him, but man, oh man, none of those guys are shooters. None of those yeah. guys are snipers like Ovechkin. That's why he's so good, though. He just finds out spot. Like, yep. I, I bet you if, if, we, if we did the same thing uh, 20 years ago, I bet you'd find the same thing with Brett Hall. Yep. So back to Koskin for a second. My question for you guys is, is this shocking to you how well he's played so far at a 927, Mike Smith at a 925? Or is this... Still too early, too small a sample size. He's only had five starts. Uh, Mike Smith had six 
it's still too early. Tyler, you are reigning curmudgeon on the podcast. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I'm a big Miko Koskinen guy. Um, I someone was giving me shit today because I kind of said like the Oilers don't have a goalie you win a Stanley Cup with, and like I don't know if I would necessarily put my money on Miko Koskinen being able to take you through a whole playoff run by any means. But but I do think he's an NHL goaltender, and I, I think he's really solid. Last year, we saw him when that decor was healthy and when he first got into the league or first started his career with the Oilers, he was really, really good. He was holding them in games. He was delivering strong performances, and he's doing that again early on. Um, I'm a believer in him. That's not me. Like There will probably come a five-game stretch or a five-start stretch for him at some point this season where maybe you go, ooh, Miko's not looking good. But at the same time, if they keep doing this kind of two and two and two and two thing, a veteran Mike Smith can stay rested. A maybe inexperienced NHL goaltender and Miko Koskinen can stay nice and fresh as well. And I think this might actually be a recipe for success. I have to blame one of our one of our own, I think, for this one. One the squire, Jay Downton, came on this very podcast and brought us some intel from Finland that said it was not going to be a good start to the season. And I think that's get, where he, they said he didn't get any better. Yeah, I think well, that's, that's what he said. And I think that's where my fear came from. I'm blaming well, Jay. I, no, everybody's still uh, was afraid of what happened in the last half of last year for sure. Like sure. everybody pretty much forgets what happened in the first in the beginning. But I mean, nine twenty seven, probably not. But nine ten, nine fifteen. But if you can stick a, if you can stick a nine ten, nine fifteen, then you're in good shape. Oh, I know we're still great. I mean, I think nine ten, nine fifteen. That's you can't ask for much more out of them than that. Nine fifteen and Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle being this good gets you in the playoffs. Yeah. I, to answer to answer Begmunk's question, yes, I think it, we can all say it's a surprise that sure. Koskinen has has come out the way he's playing. Um, I, and I agree with with Tyler. Like having sort of the 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 go the go between between the two of them for a while is probably going to be successful. Um, I was saying earlier uh, up in the office that I think eventually. Koskinen is going to pull away a little bit because I think he's just he seems to be a little bit from just watching he looks uh, I don't know Smith like Tyler says sometimes is a bit of a heart attack when he's going to play the puck or whatever right and Koskinen just seems a little bit more uh, he's a little bit more calm yeah, and collected yeah. almost I was, I was I was gonna say structured but I don't even know if that's the right word but yeah he just seems if you feel more comfortable almost having him back there which you would never have said <laughs> in like March but um. Yeah, I think eventually it might get to a thing where Koskinen is probably playing and every like th three games and then Smith comes in for the fourth game or something like that as we move further down because he just seems to be a little bit m more of a rock back there. I don't know. It, 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 that's what I've seen so far anyway. Their, their numbers are pretty close, like like Bagmax, Bag Milk said. Um, so it... It's hard to say if one's actually playing better, but it just feels like Koskinen is playing better. I know we haven't had like a puck moving goaltender here probably ever that is on the same level as Mike Smith. I guess Rollison was Rollison was comfortable playing the puck. Yeah. And he he used to well. do that bat Cujo. out of the air, yeah. play like all that. the time. Cujo a little bit, yeah. Cujo yeah, used to flip sure. the sticker on all the yeah, time. Cujo, but I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. felt like there was a couple times last night where Koskinen was like, where he'd go behind the net, and I'm like, man, are you Mike Smith or are you Miko Koskinen? Because he's playing the puck a little bit, a little bit more confident because he sees his his other guy. He's confident in his game though. I like confident it. in his game. Well, like Mike Smith good. probably is rubbing off a little bit. Like I mean, look at David Riddich down in Calgary. He's playing the puck a lot for the Flames right now. Um, just kind of, we've had a lot of early starts in the early part of the season so far, and the Flames tend to be after the Oilers game, and you you kind of watch it, and Riddick is playing the puck a lot. Yep. Oh, my God. How about that Cam Talbot goal the other night against Washington? Did you see it? No. Oh, man. He was like, the puck came up along fall. the boards, 
and he was already cheating to the middle and let this goal in from the hat from like the half wall that went short side somehow. It was like, oh man, you you want to you want to see the guy succeed, right? Even if it, with the Flames, but it's like, oh man, those oh. are hard to watch sometimes. Well, the, the thing, the interesting thing about that is, um, we goal on Talbot. It is what it is. But like, I liked Koskinen last night. Like, I don't think the Verona goal, the first one that Washington scored, was a good one at all. No, I think that, that, that he has to save that every time. There's bad I, angles. Bad angles. It was right against the boards. It was a weird spin shot. I think you have to save that every time. But what I liked about it is he didn't let that didn't affect the rest of him. his night. Yeah, well, that's for sure. Like last year, the year before even, but last year for sure, that would be that would have been the collapse of the team. You let two goals in in, what, 47 seconds? And it was like, good night, Jim Kite. It's all over. You know, and and uh, the team just has a battle back now. I know I know. Connor had to come and do it for the offensive side of things, but you're right, Big Mill Koskinen did. Well, I think that. everybody was actually just a little bit better. They didn't get down on themselves, but I mean, a big part of that I still think is is the swagger that Mike Smith brings. Sure, you saw the way he gave away those two pucks in the first whatever game it was, and uh, LA, yeah. it didn't really affect him though, right? Like, no, he didn't yeah, get he down was, on himself. He was, he was probably hard. he was the exact same person he was before the game as after the game, and that's exactly what you want out of a, out, out of a team, regardless of what's going on on the ice at the time. You got to. You got to keep your confidence and just play your game. And if they keep doing that, then we're laughing. Guys, we got to get to our giant question of the episode brought to you by Sherwood Ford the Giant. I floated it out on our Instagram and Twitter. But the question is, with the Oilers' bottom six continuing to struggle, would you, if you were Dave Tippett, consider splitting up Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl? Some of the responses we had on our Instagram. Willie's House said, they're not the problem. It's our bottom six. They need to make trades or bring some kids up. From the miners, Big Safai said, Tippett did that and it didn't really work. The blender was out and to my eye, it had the opposite effect that Tippett wanted. We have to find solutions in our bottom lo- uh, bottom nine that don't create more problems. Uh, my take on it is you got the best duo in the NHL. Don't touch them. But, uh, but uh, I thought I'd float that out to you guys for sure. Ford. You can't. You can't touch the top right now. I, I said that. The only, way, the only way you do it is if you do bring up the kids from uh, bring up a couple of kids. Because well, right even now, then, I'm not splitting up McDavid Drysaddle. Well, I think if you brought up like uh, if it was like Yamamoto and Benson, I think you have to at that point because you need they need to, those guys need to be with somebody better. But right now, you can't like I mean, putting Connor with Yurcho and whoever isn't fucking changing a damn thing. So you definitely roll what they're doing right now. It's I like of, this answer from Robert on Twitter who responded to our Sherwood Ford question of the day. He says to me, it's like. Sometimes I can't get a glass of water when I'm thirsty, so we should separate the hydrogen and oxygen. It doesn't work. I like that. Little that duo has been what's it. keeping the Oilers alive. And they are so good together. And I, one thing that drives me crazy about, one thing that drives me crazy is when people are like, oh, well, Leon's only good because of Connor, or Connor's only this because of Leon. It takes a skill for those two to play with each other. We saw Milan Lucic up with Connor for a couple of years and nothing happened. We saw guys come and go from that wing with those three or those two that haven't been able to make it stick playing together as effectively as they do is incredible. And I don't I, personally, I wouldn't split it up. Let me, I'll, I'll put it this way and see if, if this is a fair enough comparison. It's like breaking up the Sedins almost at this point. Sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, you would never like there were great players individually and there were the couple seasons where Henrik had to play by himself and I think he won an Art Ross, did he not? And then Daniel had to play another year by himself and they were still great players, but they were always the best when they were together. And it just yeah, it doesn't make sense that you would ever really play them apart when they bring out the best in one another, like I still like Milk said. I still believe that 
if we could split them up, it would be amazing. It's ideal. It would be amazing. But at this point, like the Nygaard injury is hurting you there because you just don't have the versatility yeah, on the yeah, wing yeah. that we used to. And then the fact that, you know, our bottom six is a bunch of passengers. Right I'll, now. I'll, say, I'll say this too, though. Other than the Minnesota game and up until like halfway through the third period last night, the Oilers haven't lost an ugly game yet. Not really. The games they've lost, they've been in it. That Winnipeg game, they, both teams are in it, mm -hmm. you know, back and forth. Rick shaking his head. First Minnesota period, game first was pretty against, rough. Well, no, I would say I said, arguably, the Minnesota game was the ugly one. I would say arguably the first period, specifically of that Minnesota game. Absolutely. Was ugly. Eric Stahl, of course, like, you know, scores. Again, it was the same thing, like scores two goals within a minute or whatever, right? Yeah. You can't spot an NHL team three no. fucking goals and expect to win games. Exactly. And then the Chicago loss, we've talked about it. They were, they looked tired. End of a road trip. Start of the season. It, 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 yeah, yeah. And they were, they, they only lost by a goal, did they not? Or is it 3-1? I don't remember. But United, though, I think. Yeah, only, they've only had one ugly loss. So even if the bottom six isn't contributing offensively, at least it's not costing the team anything. Well, I think, and to your point there too, I think that, the fact that the bottom six is killing penalties still, they're doing the 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 stuff. Not the that bottom they six, need. like there's the bot, like the fourth line is well, and yes. Granlin, yeah, but the other two aren't doing shit. Well, but I mean, but I think that's where Tippett has the <laughs> the leash that he's given a little bit more to those guys than he probably would otherwise. Once yeah, that's right. kind of production. Just the rest of those wingers on that third line is just they're not doing anything, man. You might as well. Just Start bringing, and like I said, it doesn't even have to be Yamamoto at this point. Bring up, you know, maybe Marodi's time to it's, it's time for him to get that that center spot, and you can bring up a Marodi and and Gambardella or Benson or whatever. But we need to start. No, Malone's nobody cares about Brad Malone. Dan. No, 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 no. Although I do say, if there is a bigger Brad Malone supporter out there, we haven't found it. <laughs> One thing I want to end off. We've got about ten minutes left in today's podcast. I want to talk about my boy Nuge. Last night in the wrap-up comments, he was taking a ton of heat for being unable to score, and I want to talk about it That's because this is absurd. This is absurd. It's not like he's not getting any chances. By my count, and roughly this is just me eyeballing, what has he got, seven posts this year, roughly? Last night he got robbed twice by Holpe. The goal he did score was an absolute laser beam. This kid is getting chances. He's just not getting any puck luck right now. Zero puck luck. And the fact that people are saying, well, he's not a second-line center because he's not producing is completely Stupid. ridiculous. You're not watching the game. He's also got Chiesa on, on his team, on his line, that's been arguably one of our worst top six forwards. The he pair between him and Neil is going very well. And Nuge's luck is going to turn around. He's going to get the bounces eventually as long as he keeps getting these kind of chances. It doesn't make any sense to me, the people that are whining about Nuge saying he's playing like shit. It's just not the fact. It's just not true. No, they're wrong. And he's also leading the team in takeaways. He's looking like a dirty little puck thief right now, and I'm all about it. Oh, he's and he, and the the thing that you see with guys when they get down on their schneids is that they needs they start to the rest of their game starts to kind of fall apart because they're because they're fighting it to put it in the net. But with Nuge, it's like man, like that that give that giveaway that he had in in three on three against uh, Winnipeg, and then he just he went comes back and took it back. No oh, fuck, I gave the puck away. And takes All right, that hold on, back. I'll get it back. Give me a sec, guys. You know, and it, and you know, you can understand if he, you know, he's what four feet behind the guy. You understand if maybe he doesn't catch the guy, but he wasn't being denied on that. And that was Blake Wheeler too. We're not talking about no. like some schlub that he yep. went and caught and stripped. He's one of the best in the league at doing that. At he works, his, up, he works his ass off. You and getting that fucking puck back. And the hockey gods and puck luck will come around. This is all skill. This is so I still gods, but no. I would love to see what he could do with like a legit like this summer. I, I project that they have enough money to go out and get like a five million dollar winger. 
Boy, it, it look, a name. Give us a name. I, I don't know. I haven't really looked. At, it, it might not even be free agency, but it might give be us a, someone. Give us a player type, like a like a like this kind of guy, perhaps. like a cheaper Taylor Hall. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jonathan Drouet. Yeah, maybe it's someone like a Jonathan Drouet. Five and a half cap hit, I believe. Yeah, like I think they could fit in someone like that, and it doesn't need to be free agency, but it can be through a trade. Like you saw the way New Jersey like weaponized their cap space this summer, right? Going out and getting Gusev for dirt cheap, getting Subban for dirt cheap. Uh, I, I think Ken Holland will be in a position where maybe he can do that this summer, and I'd love to see Nuge. 82 games with James Neal on one side and another $5 million winger on the other side and actually have like a stud second line because he's good and he's doing everything he can right now, and Neal's a nice option as well. But there's still just that little bit of an element where he's lugging too much dead weight, I think. And yeah, I'd love to see him like own. let out of his cage. To Somebody fly can handle free. their own on that on that right side it would be mm. great. And I'd like to see him, like I said, just get a little puck luck. Just a little bit of luck. Maybe he needs one to bounce in off his ass or something. Do you know what I mean? Like those weird hockey universe type things that just kind of need to happen. Maybe like, that's what he needs right now. Like Nurse's goal, right? Nurse like banked it in off a skate or whatever. Didn't like however that went didn't in. Didn't skate yeah. into the boards this time. He didn't skate it into the boards and he threw it in the front in the net. Exactly. But yeah, that's what Nuge needs. He needs to get one that deflects off a defenseman's skate and goes five hole, and then it's like, all right, he's feeling her again. That was such a good way to end a shutout streak. Yeah, just the nicest bounce. Just the weirdest garbage goal. Yeah. I love it. The own goals. It's so funny. Things are you, changing. But you know what? That's like that's that's the nice thing about hockey is it's not like scripted in the sense that they're going to score a beautiful passing play to end the drought. It was some shit house bounce that Darnell threw it in the slot and then you got lucky. It's the beautiful thing about the game. We've got a couple more minutes. I want to touch on something that I know Tyler's going to be happy about. Jesse Pulley has got goals in seven straight games for Carpat right now. He's lighting it up. He's lighting it up. And guess what it's doing for you? Remember when everyone's like, Oh, he'll go over to Finland and he'll light it up and his trade value will go through the roof. It hasn't affected his trade value, and it won't. He we can just, be. We don't point. know that though. It, he can be a point a game there. He can be a goal a game there, and I still think teams are going to look at the Oilers and go, "That's nice, but what's he going to do on the small ice? What's he going to do in the NHL? Why do you have to? Shit are you on not him? impressed at all by what, am, how he's playing? Yeah, he's twenty-one year old Oilers prospect who's lighting it up in Europe right now. I think there's plenty of positives, but to me, it's just tough because I think his NHL value is so ruined, and I know he's not coming back to the Oilers, so it's just. I, I get keeping track of it. I understand it. Dusty tweets about it all the time. Um, <laughs> and, and it is good, man. Like, you're keeping track of an Oilers prospect. It is a legit thing to keep an eye on. Just for me, from the fan side of me, looks at it and just goes, ah, I just, I see that success and I'm still just disappointed because I know it's not going to happen here. Yeah, you know what, man? It's, the guy's happy. You can see it. Yeah, he, he's he's happier over there. His family gets to watch him almost every game. The guy's enjoying this the, the game again. And I think that will get him back to where he was when he was first picked. And if he gets another opportunity over here, and I still, I won't take the Oilers out of contention to get him back probably next year. Do you like think he, he stays a whole year in Finland? Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Yeah, 100% he, stays, he will. Yeah, he I can't see him coming back. Even if you were what's, a team. What's the deadline? Is it like December, November? December I think middle. Okay. Is it the, yeah. But like even if another team acquired him like next week, I still wouldn't even see that team being like, it's best for your development to come join us mid-season and like try to get up to nhl speed now i'd imagine it's like a take the rest of the year stay in finland be he's, comfortable he's be happy recharge and be ready for next fall yeah and, that, and that's why i think you know what if he comes out of it he has a great year obviously he's having one right now if he's in a better mindset at the end of the year and holland's gonna have to give him a call and try and figure out exactly what he, his deal is 
okay, you want to come back? Like, here's training camp, you know, here's your flight, whatever. No, you still want to get traded? Okay, whatever. We'll figure that out then. It's, it is what it is, but I, I, I can still see him coming back and being in training camp next year. I mean, I would love to see it. The Oilers desperately need depth on the wings because as we're talking about these scratch tickets and we have for months now, we need guys who can contribute offensively. I don't know that Jesse can do it, but I would have more faith in him doing it than say, I don't know, no offense to Josh Archibald. I know he got hurt yeah. today, but like I would assume Jesse would outscore a guy like Josh Archibald. You, you so. would assume, yeah. would hope so, yeah. A couple more items before we sign off. The brand new Hope Will Never Die line has got launched on nationgear.ca. It's sexy. We're all wearing it right now. You can't see us, but we are. Yep, we're we all wearing great. it. Even I got some. We look great. Everybody <laughs> that's wearing it in this room looks fantastic. The people that are not wearing it in this room, they don't look so great. Do you know you can buy it at uh, Little Brick now? Little Brick has some. If you don't want to pay shipping, not you don't a great wait. selection in sizes and all, but we try and keep everything uh, stocked up. We're working on it. Yep. Have you checked out the bomber jackets? They're dope. Rick's wearing one right they're now. Fantastic. Looks fantastic. I think those are so nice. fucking sweet. I want they're one so, so bad. Yeah, yeah, so, good. so bad. Another thing is we are going to have a brunch party at the brew house on November 2nd. That is an 11 a.m. game against the Penguins. This one's going to be free. There's not going to be any tickets required for this one. We just want to get everybody to get together. And also you're going to be able to buy your nation gear there as well. We are going to have a pop-up store. We're going to have Hell some yeah. trivia. Trivia. We're going to have prizes to give away. We're going to be giving some. away a trip for two to Calgary to come with us when we go down to the saddle dome those are usually pretty fun they are great Game so the first one is going to be in january i believe dan okay. is that right yes january the 11th so with we're going to go down friends? there yeah. we're going to have a big group of finnish people with us too almost it's be a bananas. full bus of Finns, and then the rest of us what i will say though is you've got a couple of months to work your legs out because climbing up to the gallery level at the saddle dome is a trek which i've heard is actually quite empty these days well can we move down Oh, wow. that'd be nice. We might be able to make we might be able to make an AMJ Campbell move. You know where I'm going to end up though by the end of the night. <laughs> yeah, I'm going, going to right end up the alumni lounge. Yeah, I'm going in the uh, v- alumni lounge. Dropping, I'm going to get into a box this the, time. The, Can you hit me up with the date for that Calgary trip one more time? January 11th, her 2020. January 11th, we are going down to Calgary. It is a fantastic time. If you've never been on one of these trips before, you absolutely have to do it because it's great. Outside of climbing up to the roof of the Saddle Dome. The Sherpas, however, to their credit, are very, very kind. Tip your Sherpas. They have a dangerous job, and they do it well. That's all going to be all for episode 59 of Oilers Nation Radio. I want to thank Sherwood Ford the Giant. I want to thank SkipTheDishes.ca. And, of course, I want to thank Mary Brown's Chicken and Taters for making it all possible. Go ahead and tell a friend about this podcast. Tell a coworker. Tell your cousins. If you see Tyler Uremchuk out in the wild, tell him about it. He's on it, but he wants to hear about it. Have a good weekend, everybody. Tyler, push the button. Shout Best out wishes. Damien. Thanks for listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media to stay up to date and never miss a podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.